could drop anywhere and it drops into the path of a Sunderland player and it is Mark McNulty who gets the equaliser from close range Kelly McNulty Hello and welcome back to the What The Fork podcast. Today's guest is a current Hibernian hotshot, Scottish international, and of course, former Sunderland striker, Mark McNulty. How are you, mate? You all right? Hiya, mate. Yeah, all good here. Doing what's needed to be done. Obviously, the current situation is difficult, but doing away. First things first, I've got a really important question for you. What's your thoughts on the free Steve Avery movement? <laughs> Hopefully, he gets, he gets let loose soon, so my dad can stop tweeting about it, man. God, uh, I didn't want to swear there, but yeah, hopefully he's uh, released soon, so we didn't see any more on Twitter. What, yeah. what nonsense. Your, your dad's superb, though. No, I mean, he's, like you said, he, he loves his social media card, and <laughs> uh, look, he likes going to the games and mingling with the fans and stuff like that, so he likes to have a bit of banter as well. You can, Obviously, you can see by his Twitter, so I think a few people like that. Yeah, they do. On a serious note, obviously, you're back at Hibernian, and although we can't play currently, how much have you enjoyed being back home? Yeah, last sort of five, six years I've, I've been away um, in England, away from home, so it's always good to come back for, for a couple of months, and this is my local team as well, so I had a good one spell here last year, and come back again, and I've, I've done okay, um, obviously it's stopped now, which is a bit of a nightmare, but it's, yeah, it's good to get back up, it's, uh, playing games again, which was it was like a massive decision for me to come back up, but it was one I think that I needed to do. You built up a, a really good partnership to my memory with uh, Canberry the first time around. I know obviously people move and you, you deal with the situation you have at hand, but were you a bit disappointed that couldn't rekindle that partnership again? No, I think I think this time around, um, Flo had maybe not been doing as, as well as he sort of had been doing last season. And, and Doji, the striker out, Christian Doji's been flying. So and I've and I've played against him before. The way he plays probably complements the way like I want to play. He's, he's good to play with for me. So I was excited about like you say a fresh start and, and getting to play with someone new. Now I was actually in Edinburgh the day that you left Sunderland to go to Hibs, and I was like scrolling through the messages and stuff like that. And the, like the proper worship you at Hibs, don't they? It's, it's one of them, mate. It's just you're a local lad. You know what you know what it's like. You know what the, the fans expect. And, and you know a lot of people in the city as well. So, like I say, it's always good to come back home and, and be around sort of the people you know. Because you were, obviously, going back to your childhood. You were born in Edinburgh, but I think you grew up as a, a Celtic fan. Is that right? Yeah, that's right, mate. Yeah, my dad was um, he was born in Glasgow, um, Celtic fan. So, it was just one of them when you get taken on to the games. Um, it was a Celtic game that I used to get taken on to by my dad. And, uh, yeah, still sort of looking for the results and stuff now. So, when you were young, uh, growing up, like what were your earliest memories of not playing football, but maybe falling in love with it? Because, obviously, Edinburgh, Glasgow massively massively passionate cities for football yeah I mean it is straight away I had an older brother that was five six years older than me so he was into football at an early age and as soon as I was sort of able to walk I was I was going to football stuff with him and, and just sort of always been around the ball my dad always took us to, to Celtic I think it was maybe like one when I first went to my first Celtic game so yeah the early memories of that is just going to watch my brother's games and, and sort of kicking the ball around the side of the pit and just going there from there you know, obviously, when you were, I think you were at Celtic originally, weren't you, when you were young, and then you went to Hibs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, when I was 10 years old, I went to Celtic. I was there for three years, and then I went to Hibs for three years. And I actually got released from Hibs. They, they, were, they said, nah, you're not getting a full-time contract. So, yeah, I left school, and I ended up playing just part-time football and working. Left school and worked for nine, nine months or something. Because you were in the League One, or was it the Championship with Livingston when you first moved there? Because I think it was at League One when you first moved, but then by the time you got on the team, it was Championship. It changed yeah, so when I signed my first contract professional, was, I must have been 16, 17. Livingston were in what they call now the championship, the, the league below the top league, but they had a lot of sort of financial difficulties. They went into administration and they got put that. down to the bottom league. It worked out well for me because I had to get rid of sort of all the older boys on big money and stuff, and it gave the youth a chance. I got in the early doors and made my debut. Six, 17, I made my debut. So looking back, it was good to them. Went up the leagues with them, was sort of in and out. And, like started playing sort of regularly when I was um, back up in the championship. Were they playing at the uh, the Tony Macaroni then, or the Spaghetti Hat as it's now known? <laughs> the Tony Mac. It's had a few names to be honest. Almondvale, it was. Um, I'm sure yeah. it'll still be Almondvale. A lot of people. Yeah. Um, but no, nah, that's a great club and really good stadium. Really close, really good atmosphere, especially when uh, some big teams come and take sort of a big follow. And obviously they've come back and done really, really well. Livingston, I was there, I think they were in the championship when Sunderland went there in pre-season. Because obviously, as I was saying, sort of off-air, I used to live in 
up in Scotland. So when we toured and went to do like St. Johnson, Hibs and, and uh, Livingston, it was great. Obviously, we went down to that game. And it's a great little club, isn't it? They brought some really good names yeah. through, like um, Snoddy's been there. Been a yeah. few big names have come through as well. And they're now, they're now kind of punching, I wouldn't say above their weight, because I think they've always been there or thereabouts, but they're doing really well at the moment, aren't they? Yeah, mate, they are. I mean, I think probably fair to say that they are punching above their weight going in terms of financially. Small wage bill in comparison to some others. So the manager and the players there are doing, doing a great job. They're, they are definitely punching above their weight. But look, they've... It's been a couple of seasons now that have been very consistent, so people now start to expect that from them over the next couple of a couple of seasons, which is a difficult part. But yeah, at the time, I still keep in touch with the owners there um, every now and then. It was a great sort of family club and a, a great time. I think when you were there, and I'm looking back, I don't, I can't be on. I'll be honest, I don't remember it because I didn't follow Livingston. But looking through your time and the, the, I think in total it was five seasons. You had quite a few different managers in quite a few different seasons. Like sometimes it was two or three managers at a time. Yeah. When you were striker, right? And I know this might sound daft that I'm picking a certain position, but your job is put the ball in the back of the net. But do you prefer yeah. to keep one manager who knows the way you play, or do you just think, you know what, plough on, stick the ball in the back of the net, same as it was last week, just with a new guy at the helm? No, look, I think um, I think as a striker, like everyone's got their sort of attributes, how they score goals, how do you get the best out of yourself. You might have some manager in that wants his wingers to stay wide and put lots of crosses in the box. But for me, that, that doesn't benefit me because I'm, I'm not really one that will go and get on the end a lot in my head and, and score a lot of goals in my head. I need sort of a manager style who will try play football, get his wing-backs high and lots of cutbacks and, and balls across the box and balls in behind. It, it can sort of get to you a little bit. At the end of the day, I think everybody wants to score goals, everyone on the team. Look, if, the more chances you create, however that may be, for a striker, you're, you're just hoping to get on the end of one. And obviously, talking about managers, when you made your first move, obviously you had a good like last three seasons, and I think specifically your last two, you scored plenty at Livingston. That caught the attention of, of Nigel Clough at Sheffield United. What was Cloughy like? Is he is he similar to his dad, or is he not what you'd expect? No, I, if I didn't know too much about his dad, obviously just seeing stuff, the, the clips you see online and stuff like that. But yeah, it was it was the exact same. It was it was great. It was it was quite funny, quick witted, um, sharp, like. But he was he was a bit mental as well. He, he was crazy. Some of his things, his pre-season stuff and his, his pre-season training, some of it was quite funny. Um, but he was he was good to work with. I think he had like a good understanding of the players. He, like if you sort of worked hard, he'd, he'd reward you, and if you won, you'd have days off and stuff like that. I'd actually went, but before I had signed with Sheffield United, when Cluffy was at Derby, I'd actually went down there and was going to sign there, but he got the sack and went to Sheffield United. So that's how I ended up going. And it was great, mate. Yeah, I loved it. I loved working under him. He's obviously very well thought of. Say that he, well, it was him that gave me a more opportunity in England. He took yeah. a gamble on me. A lot of other managers didn't want to. He was the one. So I've got a lot to sort of be thankful for to him. A lot of the times when Sunderland have changed managers, especially over the past few years, there's been like murmurs of people saying, you know, why, why not Nigel Clough? You've been at Sunderland. Do you think Clough, you could fit into a club like Sunderland? Obviously, Sunderland born. His dad's got really good roots with us as well. Do you think he could fit into a club like Sunderland? 100%. I think he knows what it's like to manage a big club. Expectations. Like I said, he's, he's, very, he's a very strong character. Um, I don't think he'd be able to take everything on the chin. I mean, I know it's just for that small time being at Sunderland, you're expected to win every, every game. I think he, he's a type of manager that can could handle that pressure. And like I say, the boys will enjoy working with him as well. He, he, I think definitely if if he was to be the Sunderland manager, I could definitely see it being a successful match. Yeah, kind of. You're the first person I spoke to that's like worked under him, so I'm always curious for that. He left Sheffield United, which is obviously a bit of a blow for yourself. And Nigel Atkins came in. You had a, a good season at Sheffield United, you know, pretty solid nine yeah. goals, not bad at all. Um, at a big club that's got big expectations. And, um, was it quite a blow for you, him leaving? Yeah, it was. That was uh, looking back now, that's probably what probably shortened my time. I can remember my first season coming down, and he would always say to me, like, be patient. He wouldn't ever say too much. But I can remember obviously going down there and you were wanting to play every game and I never really played a lot of the league games. But I would always play we got a good cup runs, I'd always play the big the big games in, in the cup. And yeah, I think at the end of that season I had maybe like thirteen in all competitions and yeah. with, with Jamie Mur- Jamie Murphy and he got a move to Brighton. So it was great, yeah. My first season down there I thought, like you said, big massive club, I was joint top goal scorer. I loved it, I absolutely love the city. I still do now, I've still got a lot of friends and stuff there. Great club. And like you say, when the manager had got the sack, obviously we had missed out. We got beaten in the playoffs that year in the semis. It was it was another one of them. Here we go again, another another manager. Um, but you've got to stay positive. Like you're just thinking it's a clean slate. Like everyone's got to impress. So yeah, Nigel Atkins got appointed in the summer straight away. Signed two strikers. <laughs> so I was like, 
oh, okay. And then he said he was going to bring a third one in. So I was sort of up against that a little bit straight away, if I was to be honest, that the writing was on the wall. But he did sign Billy Sharp, which was probably the best move that, that Sheffield United have, have probably made. Top man, really good guy and done a lot for the club. So I can't really grumble that he played ahead of me because he was, he was very good. But yeah, it was probably it was a difficult season for me, definitely, until I went on loan. Yeah, obviously moving on to that, you went to you went to Portsmouth. I think at that point you were playing under was it Paul Coop? Paul Coop. Yeah, yeah, brilliant. Great reputation in the game. Another one that's been linked to Sunderland alongside many because yeah. we change managers quite often. What what was he like? Do you think he's he's deserving of the reputation that he's got? Unbelievable. Yeah, I think. Um, and I, I've obviously I've seen his name being sort of touted about Sunderland um, quite quite a lot, and I'm, I'm no one to say that. A manager can guarantee promotion, but I think if there was ever a manager to to, to take a team up, especially a, a club the size of Sunderland, it would be Paul Cook. He was brilliant, honestly. I absolutely loved him. He's a uh, great guy, good 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 training. He had a good authority about him, like the boys respected him, and and he was good. He, he was good with the fans and stuff as well. He interacted with the fans, and yeah, he just he just had a bit of everything. I thought. Um, but his team's always played football. I, can, I even remember when he was a Chesterfield manager and I was at Sheffield United, he would pass the ball all day. And I just think, personally, a, a club like Sunderland, you, you should be playing football, nice, expansive football, positive football, and there probably won't be a better man for the job than him. With Portsmouth itself, Sunderland have had some really good battles with him over the past few years, to the point where it's almost like a little rivalry with each other, whether we want to admit it or not. But I've got a few mates who support Pompey. I think it's a huge club. Like, how good of a club is Portsmouth to play for? Because he did really well there. Yeah, it, it was, mate. It was amazing. Look, I've, I've, you probably, I'm going to say every club of here I've played, it's been unbelievable. And people think, of course, <laughs> he's going to say that. But we've been very fortunate. And who I have played for have been, like you say, yeah. it's a massive club. Sheffield United, just says, Sunderland, Portsmouth, uh, so far. Uh, like you can't speak highly enough for these clubs. The fans are just brilliant. Proper, pa- they're they're very similar to like Celtic and Rangers in the sense that they're really really passionate about their club. Everything everything's about winning in, in football on a Saturday, um, and I love that. It's it's brilliant as a, as a player, you can feel it. Just the place, the club, the people around the club, the people in the city, like you say, the fans and stuff like that. It just it was a brilliant time. I, I really love my time down there. And when you were at Portsmouth, it was one of those, I mean, they've been battered for years and they've kind of sunk to League Two from being the Premiership. But it was when they were kind of coming back. So I imagine the mood around the place was actually quite positive because if you get four or five years of absolute shite and then you start yeah. coming back. Yeah, it was, mate. Yeah, it was It was like you said, that they'd been sort of on a bit of a downfall. And I think I joined in maybe the November time, maybe the November time, roughly. And again, I went on and scored quite a few goals. Done well. We got beaten again in the semi-final of the playoffs that year, which was highly disappointing. And I was desperate to go back. I can remember I was even saying in the press at the end of the season, like, I, w- I want to sign here. Like, I've always said that the manager at Sheffield United doesn't fancy me. Like, I, I want to come to this club. Like, I was dying to go. And um, for whatever reason, it, it never sort of happened. And uh, that was, it was disappointing at the time, but these things happen in football. Um, and But like I say, it was, it was a great club and really enjoyed my time there. There are some really good players there as well. I was looking through the list. Obviously, you've got Burgess is still there, who's a solid League One defender. Ender Stevens was a name that kind of really stuck out to me, though, who's had a rapid rise, hasn't he? He's like yeah, top six. Ender. Yeah, unbelievable, mate. Even even back then, he was he, he had that quality and stuff like that. You, you could tell he was, he was physically really strong, fit boy up and down. I just think he's now in a system where it absolutely suits him to a T. Yeah. Um, and, and it's obviously getting the best out of him, and he's a great lad as well, so... It's good to see that he's doing really well. You then obviously, obviously, you didn't get the move to to Portsmouth, and you went to to Bradford. But I think it was a difficult season, but it worked out in the end because it culminated in probably the best period of your career in terms of goal scoring uh, by going to Coventry. I think I was listening to a podcast the other day, and you, you're obviously really, really well liked at Coventry for obvious reasons. Stick the ball in the back of the net. You people at your club tend to like yeah. you. It tends to work that way. Yeah, yeah. Um, but do you think it was the best spell of your career so far? Yeah, hundred percent. Because, like you said, mate. When you score goals, it's easy. Everybody's loving you, and it's, you're automatically saying it's the best season. But it started off quite a rough time for me at Coventry. I went there as probably they were saying their main signing, their striker that was like another team that was sort of had just been um, relegated. So um, the fans were a big, big club and a big, uh, big club and sort of the League Two, and were expected to do well. And, 
I started off, I was I wasn't I wasn't great. It took me a, a little a little bit of time to find my feet. Um, so it was tough at the start, but I can just remember the manager was unbelievable with me. He was really good, Mark Robbins. He was when I was going through a bit of a tough time in a dry patch. He was he was just working with me on the training pitch and, and always chatting to me. He was always open. He was always really good and eventually found my feet. Started uh, once I started scoring, that was me sort of for the rest of the season. With Mark Robbins, he was a, obviously a striker at Man United that I think had a couple yeah. of tough spells at a, a big club. Is that quite handy when you manage as someone who's yeah. played your position and had like difficult periods yeah. in his own career? Yeah, exactly. I, mean, I think that's really important as a manager because they've, they've been through everything I've been through. He's, he's obviously played a lot more games, a lot more experience than me. He played at a very high level with, with great players and great managers and stuff like that. So it was brilliant just to get little tips and it is it, when someone's been in your position, it's they understand exactly everything you're sort of you're going through, and and that was sort of great to sort of relate to him. Talking about players that you played with at that point, I think Jordan Willis was one. But um, Willis has obviously came through the Coventry Academy, which has spouted a lot of good players, James Madison, just to name one of them. Yeah. Um, Jordan's obviously at Sunderland just now, and I think he's fitted into Sunderland really well. Played almost every game up until. COVID-19 hit. Um, what kind of a character is he? Because he was captain at a very young age and possibly captain when you were at Coventry, was he? Yeah. I think he was captain just before I had come and then he was sort of maybe like vice captain or something like that a couple yeah. of times. But no, look, he's, he's a great lad. He's, he's, he's very laid back. He's quite quiet. He's the type of player that he's, he's, he's maybe not your dressing room captain because he's, so, he's sort of so laid back and, and quiet. Um but definitely on the pitch, you can you can see why he's captain. Sometimes he's he's very aggressive. He'll, he'll win his challenges and he'll 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 not be beat that much in there. He's very aggressive attacking a ball. So he's he's someone on the pitch that you could look at and say he's definitely a leader. And, and uh, some managers look at that. Obviously, they're captain. Want to be there. You've played with him as a centre half. You've played with him in a, a back three when he's in the middle of the back three. But for some reason, Philip Parkinson decided he was a right winger. Um, and he's done phenomenally well. Um, are you not surprised by how well he's done at like getting forward and playing that sort of right centre back, right back, right wing role? No, nah, I'm surprised. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised. I've played him, and he's always been a centre back. Like for me, he's a, he's a centre back. He's but like you say, it's it's great to see him doing really well in that in that sort of new position. But I'd be lying if I said I wasn't surprised because <laughs> I did not expect to see him pulling over stepovers and. and actually slotting boys in and crossing the ball but it's another one there sometimes um, you just fall into these formations and these positions and, and you just sort of kick on and, and got like luckily for boss that's happened Going back to your, your career at Coventry um, the season you had with Coventry it didn't just give you a crack at sort of League One again it gives you a crack at the Championship um, where they moved to Redden now I think at that time there was a few clubs that were after you but what clubs were sort of chasing you at that point and what made you choose Reading at that time yeah so I had there was I had interest in some League One teams um, and a couple of championship teams I spoke to a few different people and I can remember speaking to the Reading manager at the time who signed me and I knew him straight away I can remember obviously being assistant at all the big clubs and being at Chelsea Real Madrid Bayern Munich so I thought bad, he wanted it? to have a chat with me. So I thought, yeah, great. So I, I picked up the phone, he rang me and just saying that I'd been watching me a few times and sent people to watch me and he thinks he could improve me as a player. That He picks up a lot of drills for he's named all the clubs and the kind of players, by, uh, Robin, Ronaldo, Lewandowski. He was, so I thought, oh, I thought it's a no-brainer. I was like someone with that, that much knowledge, working with the best players in the world. Of, of course, I'm going to improve. Um, so yeah, it was it was sort of a no-brainer at the time. It was something for the first day I'd come down to England. I'd always wanted to play in the championship, so I wasn't getting any younger, and I thought everything was right for me personally. So I thought, yeah, let's go, let's get in the championship and crack it. You're only twenty-seven. You could still do it in the championship. Seeing you're not getting any you're yeah, quite, quite I, a few I, younger than me. <laughs> no, I, I didn't mean it like that. I just mean like I get what you meant. A lot of people would say, oh, stay in League One, stay in League Two for not one, two years. And, but it's, it's very difficult at the time when, when you've done it in that league. I'd done it in League Two for a couple of years. I'd been in League yeah. One with Sheffield United the first year. It, it was one of them. As a player, you always want to challenge yourself, especially at the highest level possible. Um, and that was just the case for me. I just wanted to, to go to the highest level possible. And that was at Reading, so I went there. In terms of Redden, it hasn't it hasn't gone possibly the way you'd want to yet. It still could. You're still a Redden player. 
But to kind of maybe get the confidence back a little bit, you went to, to Hibs, obviously, for the first time in the, I think it was the following January. Was it Neil yes. Lennon that brought you in? Well, yeah, so I signed for Reading in the, the July, and I think by maybe the October time, Paul Clennon had been sacked. So that was That's another right. new manager had come in. So straight away, the Portuguese manager had come in and just says, nah, not for me. So that, that was that. Out of the way, was training with the kids and stuff, um, out of his plan. So January time comes. Yeah, I went to Hibs in the, in the January and I've and I done really well for the first couple of months and got my Scotland caught, which was great, which was planned pretty much to come back up the road. So um, for, for me, it was, it was brilliant, yeah. Did you get much time to play under Neil Lennon, did you? Sorry. That's what he touched on there. Uh, so I spoke to Neil Lennon on the phone. He had, he had rang me, and I've been a Celtic fan, obviously, a big admirer of him. And um, it was great to have a chat. He, he sent me brilliant on the phone. He said, Yeah, perfect. We'll get it sorted. He was like, Right, let, let the agents and the club sort it now, and hopefully I'll, I'll see you sort of in the next couple of days. And I think it was the next game day, my mate had said, Neil Lennon's not Hibs anymore. And I was like, Oh, you're joking. And I seen it on Sky Sports News that Neil Lennon had left uh, Hibs, so I thought, oh, Typical. This has just been my luck. But the club's sort of recruitment staff had rang me straight away saying, look, no, we, look, as a recruitment staff and the owners and stuff like that, we still want you at the club. So regardless of the manager situation, if you're still willing to come up. So I just thought, yeah, look, I'd had my heart set on coming to Hibs and getting back sort of in the Scotland set up and stuff. So um, I'd done that, mate. Yeah, and it was, it was good. I'd always really like to meet Neil Lennon. Now, I'm going to, I'm going to drop a bit of a bomb on you here, Mark, all right? But I'm, I'm a bit fond of Rangers when I was living up in Glasgow, right? I didn't want to tell you that for a while, but I am a bit fond <laughs> of it. But Neil Lennon, I mean, living up in Glasgow as long as I did, I know how like, hated that guy was on the blue side of Glasgow. And I know the kind of crap he got when he was at Northern Ireland and all sorts of stuff. But I'd love to meet him because he must have the biggest balls known to man because he's yeah. just, he just takes everything on his back. And there's something really like, charismatic about that, isn't there? There is, mate, yeah. And it, was, it was the same when you speak to him. He's got that character and that sort of personality where you want to, you want to hear more or, or meet him and stuff like that, work with him. And that, that was the case for me. I knew straight away when I spoke to him. You get that feeling when you speak to managers, you just know. And I got that feeling with him and it was, it was one of them. I was dying to, dying to work with him, but unfortunately it wasn't the case. He's like an us-against-the-world almost kind of guy, isn't he? Which is actually a great trait to have as a manager if we're honest with each other. Yeah, you need that as a player as well, to, to, to a certain extent. Um, and he's got it as a manager, like you said. He's been, he's been through a lot of, a lot of stuff, uh, a lot of testing and stuff, but it just shows you the sort of strength of his character. Absolutely. Um, Hibs really did give you a new lease of life. How much of that was you felt like you had a point to prove because you were released earlier, and how much of it was just you know playing games again and just finding your feet and playing under a manager that had faith in you? Yeah, it was like it was, the, the being released when I was earlier was, wasn't really a problem. I mean, these things happen. Um, to thousands of kids it's a whole new setup, whole new staff and um, for me it was just about coming home playing regularly just falling back in love with football again I mean I'd been through I'm not going to lie it was a tough few months being sort of down in London and training with the kids after just signing a four year deal thinking you're going to get a good shot yeah training with the kids not playing games it was a difficult time so for me when the opportunity come to come back home from home for me it was it was brilliant your form was that good. You got into the Scotland squad as it was. Now, playing for your country is like, it's the pinnacle of your career, isn't it? Yeah, it is, mate. It's, it's unbelievable. It was, it, was, um, it was one of the... I'd, and it was probably even more special for me because when I was younger, I, I never made a sort of youth set-up. I was never in any of the 14s, 15s, all the way up to 21s. I'd never made one one appearance for any any um, any age group and it was always disappointing I can always remember younger when the squads come out and I'd been doing really well at my club and I wasn't in it and I, I can always remember being absolutely gutted like proper proper hurt about it so when I eventually found out about getting the call for there it was it was a dream come true and making my debut and stuff like that not just for me for my family it's, 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 it's probably one of the proudest moments of my career and it was quite a nice story how you found out wasn't it I heard the story yesterday how you found out it's quite a nice story that so feel free to tell it yeah um, so I can remember the squad was coming out. I spoke to my, my brother in the morning and said, oh, the Scotland squad's due out today. You think you'll be in it? And I was saying, nah, definitely not. Like, I would have known by now. Like, I would have had the heads up. Yeah. Someone would have known agents or clubs or something like that. Normally, you'd find out early. So, I just obviously went out to train as normal and I was coming back in from training. And I think one of the young boys was standing at the door. You know, congratulations. And I was like, sort of, what? I don't know if it was a joke or like, I didn't even know what I was speaking about. I was like, oh, what was that? He was like, oh, 
even the Scotland squad, and I was like, ah, oh, very good. He was like, no, seriously, it's on the TV. Sky Sports News, it was on, like, this is Scotland squad. So I went back to my phone in my locker, and I did hundreds of texts saying congratulations and stuff like that. So it was a nice surprise. It was great. And then, obviously, to tell the family and stuff like that, it was, it was brilliant. And it was the game against, was, it, was San Marino your debut, or was it the game before that? Before Kazakhstan, unfortunately. Oh, God, yeah. Making my debut free. Three 0 down away to Kazakhstan, got the last ten minutes. So it was, it was, it was one of them games that you know what I knew the game at three 0 It was pretty much over, less than yeah. ten minutes to go. It was just a case of remembering, pulling on that top, and just and, and running out. And look, I know you're going to keep that for the rest of your career. They kind of take that away for you. My. Uh... My my girlfriend, she won't even let me mention the word Kazakhstan. I tried for Bora on the other day and she wasn't having it. She was like, nope, not hearing it. <laughs> not having it. I know, I was like that as well after that game. That was enough for me. <laughs> but obviously you came back. You almost scored as well in the San Marino game. Yeah. Um, not yeah. just the header, the chance afterwards as well, to be fair. The chance yeah, afterwards. Yeah. Like, you didn't let was, your head drop. No, it was, it was, one, of, look, it was one of the games of them as a striker. Unfortunately for me, it was for the international team. Yeah, like, Every other week, I'd, I'd put them away, um, especially the header. And like I said, it was look, it's just one of them as a striker. These yeah. things happen. You just need to sort of brush that aside and get back onto um, the next game. Put it right. Was, was Alex McLeish still a manager at that point in the San Marino game? Yeah, yeah he was a manager. Yeah. Mate. yeah, he was a manager. Yeah. What was he like? Because obviously he's had a lot of success, Alex McLeish. Um, did he like put his arm around you after that and just say, "Look, just keep going at it. Like I've picked you because of your talent. I, tr- I trust you can kind of keep on doing well." Um, obviously, he left after that, but did he like look after you and stuff like that? Did he tell you not to take it too hard? Yeah, he was. He was. He was sound. Yeah, he was good. Uh, obviously, I need a lot to thank him for as well, giving me my debut. And uh, he was good, mate. He was just saying like I'd done well. Like forget about it. It's only a chance. Like it's not the end of the world. Like you've won the game. Like yeah. you, you've missed a chance. Like it's not as if it's the first chance you miss. It's not. You're not going to miss. Like it's not the last chance you're going to miss. So just just relax and enjoy yourself. So as it was, um, I think, I, I don't know this, but I'm only just surmising and trying to think back to my memory. In the summer you signed for Sunderland, um, I think Hibs were like desperate to sign you. Um, I know the fans were desperate for you to come back. But I remember yeah. in the summer, actually being quite surprised you didn't go to Hibs, mainly because of where you were from and what you'd done and you got in the Scotland yeah. squad. And you came to Sunderland instead. So how did the move to Sunderland come about? Yeah, um, so I, I, again in the summer... It was the same manager at Reading, so obviously I had to find find another team. And I had, I had a few options, to be fair. I had, I had a team in the Championship that had agreed a deal um, pretty much to go one day. And literally before everything had been finalised the next game day, Sunderland had, had been in touch. And it's, a, it's a funny story because I've, I've always... I can remember it was we played um, for Coventry at Brighton. It was it was, a, it was quite a long time ago, and I always said like for me for like family reasons and being close to home and stuff like that, and being at a big club for put everything good set up, put all that in sort of one basket. Which team in the country would it be in Sunderland? Because it's very close to home for Edinburgh. It's good for family and that. It's a, it's a really big club. It's got a really good setup. That's club um, in the world, mate. <laughs> it was, no, no, it was brilliant, mate. Honestly, really, it was brilliant. So when when I spoke to the manager there, Jack, it, it was always a no-brainer. Like I said, I'd agreed sort of to go to a team in the championship, but I pulled the plug on that to, to come to Sunderland because of how good the club it was. Amazing. It's always nice to hear that. Um, for what it's worth, I do agree with you, but I'm a little bit biased. Um, <laughs> You signed sort of the same day as George Dobson, and I was going to ask, you know, how impressive was uh, Jack Ross in selling you the club? But it sounds like it sort of sold itself. So, how impressive was Jack Ross individually? Obviously, you're playing under him just now as well, so I'm guessing he had some kind of impact. Yeah, he's brilliant. Um, really, really good. Can I speak highly enough for the manager? Really good guy. Likes his attention to detail. He's, he's training. He's good on the training pitch. He's really good, and the, I'd already been sold to me. I mean, I think for 99% of the players, as soon as they got a phone call for their agency in Sunderland's. They didn't need anything to be. They didn't need to see the the stadium. They don't need to see the the training ground. But I remember the gaffer had, had picked me up at the airport and he took me straight to the straight to the the stadium because I'd said I hadn't been before. If you ever had any doubts, this is this is like sold it for you. I was like, this is unbelievable. First time I'd been, it was I'm just sort of staring around like buzzing to to get the season started, mate, um, and and see the fans and stuff. So obviously I hadn't been. Then went to the training ground, had a look at him there, and I thought, this is 
this is why a lot of people want to come to Sunderland. Obviously, they're a big club, a big fan base and stuff, but as a whole, the, the setup is just unbelievable. With Jack himself, obviously, I think Jack had had the season beforehand, there was questions maybe beginning to be asked from the Sunderland fan base, a lot of them from myself, if I'm completely honest. But, um, like, how good is Jack Ross? Obviously, you played under him twice now, two different clubs, and, and yeah. one really high pressure situation where he had a bit of pressure on him, and one way he moved to Hibs, and I think really happy for him to come back but how good is he like do you think he's a little bit underrated and he doesn't maybe get the credit he deserves yeah definitely I think that I mean I think Luca was missed out in promotion by his skin his teeth I understand obviously a lot of draws and stuff like that but he's got a decent style of play like he likes to, he likes to play a bit he obviously had this before I was there well even when I was there I had a few draws and stuff but I think like you said pressure was building because you see them before never got promoted there was a lot of draws, which was obviously frustrating. But it was really good. Training was really good. The boys enjoyed it. His staff were brilliant as well. It was one of the places where the boys actually really liked coming into training every day. Um, it was good. It was it was very approachable, and um, it was just like a normal guy to be honest with you. It, it was it was brilliant sort of day to day. We speaking to folk and, and asking how you are, and, and actually taking an interest in how you are as a person, other than just sort of being solely focused on football. But look, the clubs make decisions and, and rightly or wrongly, so it's not for me to decide. But I d- personally do think it was a little bit harsh because I, I think I, d- I do think that he had it in him to, to get the team promoted. Do you feel like almost, and I'm probably skipping far, far ahead here, but we can zoom back, it's fine. Do you almost feel like the way, do you know that run that we had under Parkinson when Parkinson first yeah. came in, which was yeah. horrific? No, no other yeah. words about it. It was a really horrific run. Do you almost feel like if Jack Ross was given that sort of time frame, because obviously Parky's come back and done done all right, we're, we're a little bit of a standstill at the minute, and obviously this has happened. But if, like, say Jack Ross was given that sort of ten to fifteen games that Parkinson was given, do you think that possibly something would be an even an even better position? Yeah, oh, look, I think it's easy for me to say, of course, because I don't think the run that we could have went on could have got much worse. <laughs> like, I don't think it could have got worse. Um, so I definitely do think that. And it's always tough with a new manager coming in as well. Like it takes time to click, which obviously yeah. it has with Parkinson and his staff and stuff like that. It's, um, like I say, it's, it's easy sitting here saying that if Jack was still there, it, it could have done. But who knows? I suppose that's just that's just guessing, really, isn't it? It's all hypothetical, I guess, isn't it? Yeah, at the same time. But obviously, it's just, I suppose the, the question was posed more because you've probably had sort of experience with two clubs. With. I don't I don't think anyone has. I don't think there's many people that have, maybe Lewis Morgan, I think, potentially. But when when he joined, and when you joined, Surrey, and when he sort of introduced you and he's talking behind the, the club and you've got the stadium and you've got the academy, what did he say to you personally? Like, what was his plans for Sunderland and his plans for you within that setup? Yeah, look, I'd, I'd, I'd known Jack for sort of a long time. Before Jack was a manager, he used to work for the SFA and he used to actually um, come into the clubs as we were a young boy. So um, I've known him from then to playing against his teams when he uh, was an assistant manager, uh, then getting into a manager. So Jack knew a lot about me for a young age and I sort of know him for a long time too. So look, it was just a case that I think he knew that given the opportunity for me personally, he was like, you'll, you'll thrive here. You've played at big clubs, you've you can handle the pressure of sort of being that guy that needs to get the goals. You've scored goals at when you've played at every team you've been at. He was like, "Look, we need to get promoted, like the Sunderland Football Club here." Like, no. but I knew that anyway. It was, it wasn't like he was telling me something I didn't know. I mean, yeah, I think everybody knows that Sunderland shouldn't be in that league and they should be getting promoted. So it wasn't telling me anything. I know it was just a case of look, just get out there, um, enjoy yourself, and let's get promoted. You start the season um, up front. Start the first two games. Uh, set up the goal at Ipswich. Um, but the Oxford game, I can't remember what minute it was in, but you had that shot where it almost went in the corner. Now, say that goes in, right? And then you score, you set up one against Ipswich, then you scored at Accrington. But do you think if that goal against Oxford goes in, you've scored two in your first three, you've set another one up. Do you think potentially that the season could have panned out a little bit differently for you and you could have still been at Sunderland? Um, well, I, 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 I think, like you say, I started off not so bad. I started off all right. Um, Considering I never really had a pre-season of that, I sort of right yeah. in, right in, like you say, I done all right. The first couple of games had a few goals, sort of every couple of games I was maybe scoring, and then I think I had a hamstring niggle, like missed a couple of weeks, and I was maybe back a couple of weeks, and I'm sure I done it a couple of times, the same one. But there was no point that I thought like this isn't going to work out. Like I always thought like this is for me, this is 
I can remember walking out there and was it the first game of the season against Oxford? Was that the first yeah, game? Oxford, yeah, yeah. First home game. Um, and I thought, yeah, this is this is a bit of me. Like it was, I got that feeling when you get a good feeling in your stomach when you walk out and you just know. And I thought, yeah, this is going to be this is going to be a good spell for me. And like like I said, it was a bit stop start at the start with, with the England injury and stuff. But I always thought like I'm I'm going to get myself back fit here. I'm going to get in that team. Like I'm I'm going to be I'm going to be scoring goals. But obviously the manager had left, a new manager had come in, it sort of all changed for there. Because I think with, um, we're looking back, I probably made that sound like you, you hadn't done well at Sunderland, which is not very much not the case. And I think a lot of people felt and would still have liked to see you at Sunderland. And I, I don't like to speak for a fan base, but I think, you know, I've seen a lot of people who were disappointed when you left. Because I think when you did play the Rotherham game, I think got injured against Portsmouth, yeah. you're pretty much first choice striker. And, you know, it, you were different to what we had in terms of, Charlie yeah. Wyke and, and, and laugh and stuff like that. But as it was, you know, you, you seem to really fit the squad as well. You seem to strike up a, a really, really good friendship with um, Aidan McGeady and especially one of my favourite people on the planet, Chris Maguire. Um, yeah. But, but what, what are Chris and Aidan really like? Because their personalities are so big. There's rumours that fly all over. You've, you've played with them and you're friends with them. What, what are they both like? And people obviously say, oh, you're only saying that because you're friends on. But look, nah, they're two, just two normal guys like, like me and you. They're just, they love their football. But they're, they want to win. They both want to win. Like, it's, it's, it's hard because, like you say, you read so much, so much rumours and, and bad yeah. press. And people just talk a lot of absolute nonsense. It's two genuine, genuine nice guys who both love their football, who come into work coming to work, coming to win games. I mean, look at look at Aidan's career. You, you can't tell me that, that he doesn't do things right. He's, he's, he's played at the highest level. He's played in the Champions League. He's played for his country. He's played here, he's played there. I mean, and there's people trying to question his professionalism. It's just absolutely mental. And, and it hurts him that because he, he's not like that. And um, like I said, he loves his football. I think he loves Sunderland as well. Um, I've, I would like to think I have a... I'd like to think I know from supporting Sunderland for 30-ish years, you can tell when a player cares. Um, and I think Aidan really cares about Sunderland. I, I can imagine the situation and what happened. He was He's quite good, is he? No, he's absolutely gutted. I mean, like you say, he, he, I'm sure he like, loves the club. He, his family and stuff are living down there. He, like I say, he's, he's played at the highest level. He, he's played with some of the best players uh, out there there is. I mean, his, his standards are very, very high. He's coming to Sunderland to win promotion. Like, well, obviously he's had a tough couple of years, but he doesn't want to be playing in League One. Like, I'm, I'm sure he'll say that himself. He's, he's played in the yeah. Champions League. He doesn't want to be playing in League One. So, if he's if someone's not doing what he thinks is sort of his standards, then he's, he's going to tell them. Like everybody does. Like I would as well. Like any other player in the team would. If, if the levels are sort of slipping and we're not doing good enough, they'll let you know. And rightly so. Like I say, a few boys would do that as well. Do you think? And I'm. I'm sure you've played some really, really talented players and no disrespect to any of them, but do you think Aidan McGeady, in terms of genuine, natural talent that you're just born with, he's the best player that you've played with? Yeah, absolutely, mate. Like, incredible. I mean, it's um, what I'm laughing now because like, I'm just glad I wasn't a defender. Sometimes when you do one-on-one in training, two-v-twos, you just you just know he's going to score. You just know he's, he's going past them. Like, it's very, very early in training. That you would see a defender take the ball off kids. Um, his feet were just a joke, but both feet it could just go both ways. Like it's see, well, a lot of players, it's like he's really sharp, but he's he's all right foot. He'll, he'll go on his right foot eventually. But Aiden, it was like you couldn't get too tight because he, he could go both ways. It was brilliant to watch. Obviously, myself a fan, so I can remember when he first came on the scene and he was he was unbelievable. So. To, to meet him and see what kind of guy he is and, and what, what kind of player he is was brilliant because he was, like I say, he's a good mate, so I'm now, I still speak to him every couple of days and um, I'm sure, like you say, he's, he's got to do what's went on because a lot of it's not true. Yeah, one, one thing I wanted to ask about Aidan McGeady because one of the, the rumours that went around, and it is a rumour, was just about um, his attitude with younger people. Now, I, I, I can imagine he was, he was quite good with the younger pros. Did he used to hand on his experience, which is a hell of a lot of it, to like the younger players coming through the squad? Yeah, I think like, like you said, it's most of the stuff you read is a lot of a lot of nonsense. People just anyone could just make up something and I'd sort of fuel to the fire. Yeah, uh, yeah get, get, like for what I seen, it was look, you liked a little moan, but who doesn't? I like, I like the, <laughs> he's I a like winner though, isn't he? Though. But he's exactly. a winner. That's where it comes from. Yeah, you can see that. 
it is. Like I said, he's played at the top level. So if even if it's a young boy, if a young boy's not, not doing what he should be doing and he's not doing it at a good standard, like there's a level you're there has been like, come on, like you're at Sunderland for a reason, like your standards need to be high. Like you can't. Um, but no, he was great, like I said. He, but he obviously went down and, and trained with the with the youth team as well when, when the new manager and stuff came in and as far as I know they were all they were all loving Aidan training with him. I mean, who wouldn't? Like I say, he's played at the top, so I'm sure that they'd be learning a lot from him. Can you tell that I miss him a little bit in the starting eleven? Can you tell that? <laughs> <laughs> I'll send this uh, I'll send this over to him and hopefully I'll have a little listen to it. <laughs> um, Chris Maguire on the other hand is um he actually went the other way, didn't he? In, in a sense, I mean, I think Aidan was moved out of the team by, by Phil Parkinson for whatever reason that may be. Chris, I think a lot of people thought was going to go the same way and he, and, he, and he didn't. He actually, if anything, got in ridiculously good shape. He's on probably the best form I've seen him in his time at Sunderland. And I think everyone knows the talent that Chris Maguire's got. But like in that period of time, it, it, does that just sum Chris Maguire up that some people questioned his professionalism and he just went... Right here we go. Then I'll, I'll show you how good I actually am. Is that is that Chris Dantwoody? No, do you know what? Like, it's one of them that nothing really changed. Like the whole, like the whole Chris and Geeds thing. Like, there's not there's nothing to Chris and Geeds. Like, it's just two mates. It would be like Spark, myself and Geeds, or yeah, Maxi Power and and Chrissy. I don't know. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I don't know where this like these two have come from. Like, people have like try to add up, subtract, divide and make up some kind of story. Like there's there's no story. Like the managers come in and for whatever reason, like he says, he's not fancied Geats and he's fancied Chrissy. And sometimes that happens as a player. Like me personally, the, the manager never really fa- I say this right away. He pro- well, he never really fancied me because he never played me that much. But he, he would obviously have conversation with you saying that he does, but if you're not playing every week then he doesn't really fancy you. But Going back to the Chrissy thing, like yeah, the manager's fancied Chrissy and he's got himself fit and he's uh, like you said, he's absolutely flying. So it's great because he's just another boy in the team who enjoys his football and, and loves the club and loves playing. I think a lot of it, to be honest, you know, looking back and like you say, there's there's tons of rumours that go around and it's best not to listen to them. Sometimes I don't care if you win on a Saturday, and I think most fans are exactly the same. Um, but I think that an annoying, frustrating McDonald's photo just caused more fraud than it needed to, didn't it? Just caused so much more hassle no, than I even needed to. I, this this is the thing. Like I could argue with probably Tom blue in the face. It's like I'm a McDonald's. Like come on, see if somebody wants. To, what what if they're in their home and they're eating a bag of chips or a burger? Well, what's the difference between eating it? Like the the boys, I'm sure it was gelling them away. It was a late game. They've probably been that. eating. They've been eating like absolute kings all week. Like perfect I've not had any bad food Saturday personally is what I do you eat well during the week and Saturday's your, your binge day you know what I mean like you have your game and then after the game if you want to have a couple of beers or you want to have a, a Chinese or an Indian or a bag of chips or a McDonald's like what's the, what's the big deal I mean Gide's has played at the top top level if he, if he wants to have a McDonald's after the game I'm sure he knows that he can have a McDonald's after the game like it's it was meant because every player was getting asked what's the whole McDonald's thing about and it was like the boys had just played Jill on the way it was late they stopped off like go on boys the gaffer the sports scientist everybody yeah you can go so I think I think quite a lot of the boys had actually got a McDonald's but it was just that Geeds and Chrissy were the first ones to sit down and some fans had took a picture then so yeah. maybe if they'd waited 10 minutes later there was another 15 boys all tucking into the Big Macs <laughs> you could have all got in mean? trouble like, <laughs> Do you know what? But me, it's like it's every it's it's every club. Like, yeah, of course it is. But a lot of the weeks, it'll be Domino's pizzas. You might have on the you'll have pizza. So on the bus, so we're not getting off. Like if it's straight home. So, like I say, it's it's mental that people even try to make a story of this whole McDonald's thing. It's it is baffling. Like, it's it's crazy. Yeah, and you know what? I was just saying like off sort of off air before there's a this is only my opinion I know people disagree and there'll always be someone who'll disagree it's just the way life works I guess but like I've known a few sort of professional footballers not very well um but like on and off at sort of youth level and a lot of the time after a game you need to get carbohydrates and almost like what's classified as bad food back into you it's just natural isn't it I just I I didn't even really want to touch on it to be honest but at the same time, I think there is like a myth there to kind of dispel. And if, if you were open yeah. to it, then then why not? You know what I mean? Let's dispel yeah. that rumour. No, 100%, mate. Like, I mean, 
I don't know which kind of rumour would come from a couple of boys having a McDonald's anyway, because Chrissy's went on and played and Aidan hasn't, so there's obviously nothing in having a McDonald's. Do you know what I mean? Like this, it's it, it is meant on. Like I said, I, I didn't play for the club and there's nothing to hide. So, but like I've just like there's nothing there's nothing in it. Like it's crazy to be honest. With um, you mentioned before about Parkinson and yourself, um, and you said you felt like you know maybe because you hadn't played, you didn't fancy it. But from from my um perspective, and I'm literally just saying from my perspective, I felt like I felt like he did. I just felt like he played differently, and he almost seen you as like a, a Lyndon Gooch player, like really different, yeah, like behind yeah. Charlie. Um, you were yeah. injured at the time, and I think that was frustrating for a lot of people, for yourself especially. But um. Yeah. Did you did you feel when when Parkinson came in? Obviously, you lost Jack, and that was the guy who came into the club. I don't think I'd even bother asking if you're disappointed because naturally that's who you were yeah. was brought in. Yeah. But when Parky comes in, and I think he had a little bit of um, he had a, a difficult start. Well, how did you find your relationship with him? I know he didn't play much under him, but did you have a good yeah. relationship with him? I did, mate. Yeah, and the um, big part, and even little Parky's assistant and big butts, the goalkeeping coach, honestly, I got on so well with him and it was such a tough decision, honestly, I can't, can't say this enough, like to, to leave um, such a big club that I wanted to be so successful, especially because I felt like the fans had just seen a little glimpse and perhaps it could have been more, like it was that sort of the fans are saying, he's probably got a wee bit more than me saying, I've got more to give kind of thing, it was sort of waiting for that opportunity and it was just very frustrating at the end because the gaffer, to be fair, the gaffer he stuck with his team. Like he never changed the team for even the whole bad run. I was at him every week. Come on, let me in. But he never seen me as that target man. Obviously, Big Charlie plays it very well. Um, he probably, yeah, he did see me more as that number ten, Gucci and Chrissy, and he stuck with them for the whole time. And um, well, to be fair, them they've sort of come good uh, recently. The team, um, but they went through that spell where it was really, really frustrating for for me on the bench, no getting in when I went sort of all the games. I thought I wrote a good sort of run of wins, um, but that's football. Like that's football. Some managers stick with it, stick with the players, and look, you just got to accept that. So it was difficult at the time, but it was like I said, it was. Um, when you get offered a chance to go and play football, and if that's that's what you actually, if you love football and you just want to play, that's it. Um, but when that option sort of come up to leave, although to be fair, the manager didn't want me really to leave. Um, I thought I had to take it. Yeah, absolutely. At the end of the day, the careers can be short, and you know you've got a good relationship with Hibs. I think many people understood it, but and again, I don't speak for a fan base, but I very much echo that what you feel that it almost felt like you'd seen glimpses there, like Rotherham at home, you'd kind of getting behind the last man, and I think a lot of people felt. You sort of had a lot to offer. I was just one a couple of things I wanted to touch on. One more from Sunderland's um, a Sunderland side with um, Nick Allenby. I think it is a lot of people focused heavily on how Sunderland's run seemed to be um, fitness. A lot of people centered on how fit Chris McGuire looked, but I think the whole team just looked stronger. Um, how much was that? How much of that? Sorry, was down to Nick Allenby and his his uh, fitness coaching. Yeah, so when Nick come in, it was sort of based on they were they were more based on uh, stats, looking at stats, high speed running, sprints, and games, and they changed a lot of the training that perhaps they weren't doing as much. And he, he was focusing on a lot, of, a lot of sprints, a lot of runs, old school sort of runs, um, sprints, and getting that up during the week. So he said it's, it's sort of high high at the weekend. Um, I mean, I, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that the boys were any fitter from from the last manager. They were they were very fit, and they were. I just think that they were being asked to do different things that that, that made them look as if we were running more, which they probably were. But it was just a different style, the way the manager wanted to play. Yeah. Um, but Nick was even good with me. Like when when you weren't playing and stuff like that, he was really good and and sort of giving you a little stuff to do to to sort of keep on top of things so you were fit for when your sort of chance was given. So. Final question, not in the probably more recent times. You're on loan at Hibs at the minute. You're still a Redden player, but football has stopped till God knows. And God, do I miss it. And I'm sure you do as well. But um, if you even can say at the moment, what, what are your hopes for the future? What, what are you looking to do sort of towards whenever this season ends? <laughs> God, yeah. So, yeah, exactly, mate. So, God, but, um, I've got another two years left at Redden. So, I think the first thing for me is to speak to the manager there. Um, when I get a chance and, and ask what his thoughts are on me, um, if he wants me to maybe come back to Reading and, and have a little go there, or if he doesn't see me being part of his plans, then I go from there, really. I mean, for me, I think it's just, it's very important now that I just need to get settled 
with a manager that, that really sees me as sort of his, his main main striker. I think to get the best out of me, I sort of need to be on that that sort of main striker kind of playing every game. Um, the more games I play, the more sort of fitter, stronger, more confident I get. Like like most players, um, and whenever I've whenever I've sort of done well in my career and, and scored goals, it's it's been when I've been playing every week. I find it difficult sometimes to get in a run but when you're sort of maybe starting on the bench for a couple off the bench starting. It's difficult as a player. So, like I said, playing for a manager who really, really trusts you and, and sees you as that guy is, is very important. Yeah. Mark, thanks very much. Really appreciated. Not a problem, mate. Um, it's been a joy. Thanks for having me.